We just, uh, we love you. We welcome you to Boomerang this morning. And um, man, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here in this place this morning. You can just, just close your eyes for a second. Let's just pray. Be led by the Holy Ghost. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for bringing about everything that you want to bring about in people's lives. Thank you for bringing us to freedom. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to the place of great, great victory. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to the place of of your overwhelming finances, Lord. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to the place of divine health. Lord, thank you for bringing us to the place of being soul winners, disciple makers. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that will do your will in every place, in every climate, in every environment, all the time, 24-7. We're walking in your will. We're seeing your will established. We're seeing the manifestation of God. Let us not be held back from anything, Lord. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your fire. Show us the outpouring of your presence, Lord. Let us walk in it. Let it not be just a just something we talk about that we did five years ago or experienced five years ago. But let it be every day of our lives and not just the pastor, but Lord, let it be every believer walks in your fire, walks in your presence, walks in your glory, and it brings about the fruit that will remain every single day in Jesus' name. Lord, let it be us. Use us, Lord. Here we are. Send us. Send us. Use me. Lord, let that be the cry of our heart right now. Father, send me. Use me. Send me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, let us not hold back because, you know, it might change the ways and the habits of our flesh. Let it, let our, your plan in our lives not be held back because of that. But Lord, let us go after you with everything that we have. Let us go after you with everything that we have. Let us hunger and thirst. And Lord, if we'll do that, we shall be filled. We shall be filled. You will overflow us with your goodness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Glory to God. Well, let's, uh, let's turn quickly to Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 28 and 29. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the purifying fire, the purifying fire of God. We talked about that. Uh, I just, on your handouts, you'll notice at the top of it, right underneath uh, the title there, you'll see where it says in red, see all notes at notes.bclife.org. Uh, you can see, there's only so much that'll print on this one page, but you can see all of the notes there. Uh, if there's notes or scriptures, uh, they'll be all at that link. You can pull it up on your phone or tablet or, or go back and use that at any time. Just want to make you aware of it. And uh, we just praise God for you. And one thing I do want to say is, Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock from 9 to 10, unless the Holy Spirit takes it longer, we have what's known as Frontlines Prayer. And if you haven't been there and been a part of that, you could be missing part of God's plan for your life. 
um, because it is strong and it is powerful. And we found that nothing happens in this earth outside of believers being in their place and doing what they're supposed to do. Because in Psalms 115 it says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. In other words, the earth is in our hands. And we get to choose. This is why God couldn't just come in in the garden and fix it because he had already placed the earth in the hands of humans. And so he had to have a human that would change things. Well, it's the same way today. In order for things to change, you and I have to pick up our responsibility as ambassadors and be who God's called us to be. And that means that we pray out like Jesus commanded us, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in in heaven. And so the Lord long ago, while we were still having church in the house, uh, the Lord said this. He said, uh, this prayer is the front lines of your ministry. In other words, this is where you will advance the kingdom in this area, in this city, in this region, is in that prayer. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you just let us know. Speaking on that, glory to God, uh, after service today, the Lord has put it on my heart. I'm looking for a few good men uh, and women. And uh, I'm looking for some folks uh, kind of that feel like they want to do some special ops type work uh, in, the, in the spirit. Like some people that want to, I got a task that the Lord, a mission so to speak, that the Lord's given me. But I'm looking for some people who are serious. And uh, so afterwards, if you'll hang out, I want to speak with you. And uh, if you don't feel like that's you, then that's fine. That's, that's not who I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who knows I want to be a part of that. I want to advance the kingdom in that way. And so I'll meet with you after the service is over. Just hang out for a few minutes and we'll meet. All right, so just come on up front and sit on the front row after we're done and, and we'll uh, handle business. All right, so... We're talking about the purifying fire of God. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we looked at is that our God is a consuming fire here in this verse. In Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 28 and 29 it says this. Therefore since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us show gratitude. Now let me just show you something here. Is the kingdom of God a kingdom which cannot be shaken? The verse says it right there. We have a kingdom that can't be shaken. So uh, let me just point out a little something to you. Anybody in here ever felt after you were born again that you were shaken? Right? So is that the kingdom inside of you being shaken? No. That's the old kingdom. In other words, what you felt being shaken was not the new kingdom, that was the old kingdom. So it's a good uh, telltale sign that I've been allowing some of that old kingdom to stand uh, instead of God's kingdom in my life. So anytime you feel shaken, uh, you can start to say, wait a minute, maybe something's out of alignment here. Something's, it's a good indicator, a good symptom that maybe I'm giving more to the old man and the old kingdom, the flesh and its nature, and not the things of God. Another way of that is in uh, Matthew 11, where it talks about, Jesus says, if, let, let's just turn there real quick and then we'll come back. Matthew 11. Thank you, Father. Verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Come to me, 
All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Hear it again. I will give you rest. He's already declared his will, hasn't he? He'll give you rest. Well, I'm just weary and I'm heavy laden. I wish Jesus would do something about it. He's already said he would. And so all you got to do is just say, Lord, I'll take you at your word. You've already said you would. He said, I will give you rest. Now, the only thing is we have to come to him. That can be challenging to our flesh. <laughs> that because then we got to put down, to come to him means that we drop everything that we're doing and we let him reestablish what we're doing, right? Then he says this, uh, verse 29, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. Take my yoke, not your yoke, not the yoke that the world has taught you, not how the habits, everything that you've learned up to this point, you take the yoke of Christ. In other words, his yoke is simply this, walk the way that I walk. And when you walk the way that I walk, now you'll be taking my yoke upon you. So we've got to come to him, be willing to lay down who we were, what we are, you know, all of these habits that we have, and then come and walk in his way. And if we walk in his way, we will come to him and we'll be walking in his yoke. And then he says this, and learn from me. Learn from me. So George, if you'll come here. Let's say that George uh, is... Let's, you're facing that way. Let's say that George is facing this way in his life and uh, I'm Jesus for him, right? And we're yoked together. Well, I'm walking this way. Well, he's going to have a hard time if he doesn't come and walk in the ways of Christ, right? And so he's got to learn to turn around and go the other way and, and hook up, yoke up with God. And then all of a sudden when he does that, now notice, you know, sometimes you'll see, see him pulling sometimes because he doesn't know where I'm going. If he doesn't know where I'm going, then he may be pulling away from me. He's got to learn from me. In other words, what he does is he follows my lead. He follows my lead. And as he learns to follow my lead, man, just in the last few seconds, he's learning to follow my lead. Like we're walking easier. It's getting better, right? Just in the last few seconds, he's like, oh, I got to follow what you're doing. Man, he's sticking. See, he, it's becoming so easy right now to walk. Why? Because he's following my lead. He's going left or right, right? Now, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But thanks be unto God, who's always leading us to triumph. So at what point is God not leading us to triumph? Never. Never. But we've got to take Jesus by the hand. We've got to take on his yoke and learn from him. And if we don't learn from him, it's going to be jerky in our lives. It's going to be shaken, right? But that's not God's plan. He wants you to have rest and we can have rest. Think about this. If I'm Jesus and George is George, right? And he's hooked up with me. What does he have to worry about? Nothing. Nothing. Tell your neighbor, say nothing. Say, I got nothing to worry about. As long as I hook up with Jesus, I get yoked to him, right? And so that, all of a sudden, life gets really simple. It's really simple yes, for you right now. Amen. Yes. Glory to God. You just have to just follow his lead. If he goes, you go. If he stops, you stop. If he turns left, you turn left. And you know, Now, George could try to force his will on me, and that's going to make it shaky again, right? He's got to learn how to... Follow the lead of Christ. And it's so simple and it's so easy. 
It's so easy. But guess what? If he's out there by himself doing his own thing, then all of a sudden, yeah, he gets lost and shaken. And it, this is why Jesus says this. Thank you, George. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That means he's not like, you know, he's not like, George, can't believe you didn't turn left when I turned left. Get yourself together, recruit. You know, that's the, the Marines coming back, you know. And that's not his way. I tell people, look, the military was great training for the kingdom of God. The only difference is they operate by fear. Jesus operates by love. And when you get that switch, though, there's a lot of parallels that are in there. But they're like constantly, like, if you don't do it, you're going to have to do 1,014 push-ups, you know. And uh, so, anyway, he's gentle and humble. Now, see, a lot of times, here's how we go to Jesus. You know, if George was Jesus, we'd be like, oh, Jesus, I know I messed up. Please don't beat me. Don't beat me. Don't beat me. That's wrong. That's the wrong heart. We're saying the wrong thing about Jesus. That's not who he is. That's not who he is. He's gentle and humble. He's gentle. And over in Hebrews 4, it says, if you need help, you go to him. And he will, you come to the throne of grace boldly with confidence. Not like, oh my goodness, he's going to wear me out. Boldly and confidence, we come to the throne of grace and you will find help in time of trouble. Because that's who he is. He's gentle and he's humble. And he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Verse 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of y'all seen on Facebook, Jesus never promised that it'd be easy. He kind of did. He kind of did promise that it would be easy. Like he said that exactly. Exactly that's what he said. But here's the issue. What he did say is that you'll have persecution. So now here's the thing. Can it be easy for me even in the persecutions? Yes, it can. That's where people miss it. Like they look at Jesus and the disciples on the boat, which I love this example, on the boat, there they are. Here's this death-dealing demonic storm, and you got two different types of people on the boat. Disciples, oh my God, we're going to die! And Jesus, peace be still. Jesus, it was easy. But for... The disciples, it was hard. So what I was saying earlier is this. In the kingdom, if you notice that things are being shaken, it's not the kingdom of God. It's an indicator that I've got something off. I've got a different kind of kingdom trying to operate because what's being shaken is not the kingdom of God. If I'm walking and it's not easy and light, that's a symptom that something is off in my walk. Something's not operating properly. Now, there's, I can teach you about this for a long period of time. Like This is a subject that I like, but it would take me some time. That's not our message today, but I just want to give you this indicator. Oh, if I'm not having it easy. It doesn't mean that persecution doesn't come. It means that even in persecution, I can walk in ease. Even in persecution, I cannot be shaken because I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know what kingdom I am. And I'm taking Jesus by the hand. 
and he, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, he is gentle and humble, and he will teach me and guide me, and always, thanks be unto God, lead me to triumph in Christ, and manifest through me the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. What a promise. So one of the things that we need to see is, okay, have I been living this the way that I should? Or have I been living it the way that I was taught? Not necessarily by your parents, although it may have been, but even the world can teach us to live certain ways. And so the Bible gives us indicators and symptoms that start to lay out Oh, this is working for you, this is not. One of those, again, is fruit. Uh, this past Wednesday, I did a Facebook Live broadcast that I'm doing every Wednesday at noon uh, now. And I talked about, are we missing the point you know, where fruit is not produced in, in our lives? In other words, is fruit, are you seeing the power of God in your church? You know, and here we are, we're seeing it all the time. We're seeing people healed, delivered. We're seeing demons cast out. We're seeing financially people uh, win in their finances. We're seeing health come and divine health. We're seeing souls saved. We're seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized with the Holy Ghost and baptized with fire. We're seeing the fruit in the church. But the question is not, are you seeing it in the church? That's the first question, but it's not the last question. The other question is, is that power then being transferred to every single believer because the word says that those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover they'll cast out devils the word says that you're my disciples indeed if you'll if you'll walk in my commandments and he commanded us to win souls and make disciples the word shows us this fruit so the bible gives us indicators of whether or not we're walking this if we're walking and we're constantly being shaken if we're walking and constantly it's heavy if we're walking it through Life and we're not winning souls on an individual basis, uh, on an individual basis, not just on Sunday morning. Then we can see that our life is not lining up with this, and we need to get back on track. I asked a couple of weeks ago, talking about God and in the purifying fire, how many people would like for all your problems to be fixed? Anybody with me? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Can I get a loud amen? I thought so. Amen. And uh, thank you. And uh, I like that. That felt good. Glory to God. And anyway, anybody ever wanted to just see some stuff work? That's another indicator, by the way, that you're walking right is your prayers work. You pray, stuff happens. Like he made the promise that if you pray according to my will and you do not doubt in my heart, it shall be done. So if we're not seeing that, something's off kilter. You know, it, he's given us some indicators. But one of the things that I asked was, would you like to see the things happen and work in your life and not be always, you know, it happened 10 years ago? Would you like to see that? And it's actually very simple to have those things happen. But look at this, what it says. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. But he says this, look, did you know that you have 
a gift in the kingdom. It's kind of like this. Come, come back up here, George. Stand there. It's like, let's say that this right here is the kingdom of God, which it kind of is. Um, it, let's say that this is the kingdom of God, and he says this. Do you know, like, can you imagine, like, in this book, this, this is actually a great example. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Um, so, have, in this book is every promise to succeed, not only on the earth, but in heaven and across the whole universe. If I can grab a hold, the kingdom is wrapped up in these words. And if I learn, it'll open up. It's like, it's not like a magic book, but if you can think in terms of like a fantasy movie, it's like, if you have this book, you'll have all power. It's true. If you have this book, you can have all power. And God said, I'm willing to give you the keys of the kingdom. And he says, boom, and gives us the kingdom. And then he says right there in Hebrews, he says this. He says, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. In other words, this will work. It'll work every time. It'll work in every circumstance. All you have to do is apply it. This thing, do you know what I'm giving you today? Glory to God. <laughs> there you go. Do you know what I'm giving you? Do you understand what you have in your hands? Well, he gives us that kingdom when we're born again. And then we read about it, learn about it. Because what we really get is we walk through the door of Jesus and, and this is the word made flesh which shows us how to operate in that kingdom. But he says, look, listen, this kingdom which cannot be shaken, it cannot be shaken. In other words, hey, George, if you will learn to rely on this, this thing can't be shaken. And because of that, you now can't be shaken. You can't be shaken if you'll live by this. You can't be shaken. Amen. I'm telling you, if we live by this kingdom, you can't be shaken. Amen. In other words, what I just told you is you now have stability for the rest of your life. No questions asked. You have some stability and a foundation that can't be shaken for the rest of your life. What value is that? What value? Think about this. How many people have ever been shaken in your life? Right? If I could go back right now and take away all of those moments of shakiness and remove them for your life, would you be happy? Would I be your friend? Would it motivate you to maybe do some different things if I could do that? God's saying, I can do that. Listen, listen, therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, all right, George, you've received this. Let us show gratitude. How do we show gratitude? All right, now, so what I'm getting at is this. Shouldn't we walk in some gratitude when we realize what God's actually done for us? See, a lot of times you don't hear this kind of preaching because people are like, well, I know he says the kingdom can't be shaken, but, but I know you're going to be shaken. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. If you grab a hold of this and you're in the kingdom and walking in the kingdom and by its ways, you can't be shaken either. It's just like Jesus on that boat. Disciples, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? 
I mean, you know, they were dramatic, you know. And uh, I was just trying to be like them. And they, hey, don't you know that we're going to die? And, and, you know, sometimes when people get dramatic and they draw it out like that, it's like, if you just shut up, okay, I'll do something. <laughs> Y'all don't know anybody like that. But anyway, here they are, and, and they're being dramatic. And, but is Jesus shaken? It's not that Jesus wasn't in a position to be shaken. He was in a bad situation. This was a death storm. Remember that these disciples, remember that these disciples grew up on the lake. They grew up fishing. And when they're scared to death, you probably have something to be scared over. I remember one time I was on a plane and, uh, and it made a funny noise and a bump. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, wow, alrighty. You know, and I'm thinking... Is this good or is it bad? And the, there was a flight attendant sitting right there. She said, oh, that's normal. Don't worry about it. If you see me scared, then you get scared. And I was like, <laughs> point taken. So look, think about this. These are disciples. They grew up on the lake. They're not just scared. They're, we're going to die. You know, ah. they're, they're going to die. And Jesus is not shaken. Oh, you of little faith. Peace, be still. There's a difference when the kingdom's operating in you. What has God given us? What has God given you? And he says, when you start to realize what he's actually given you. See, and what I'm saying is, a lot of people won't preach that because they're, they're like, well, I know Jessica's hearing this message and she's, a, she's amen in it, but I know she's not going to operate in the kingdom and next week she's going to be shaken. So I'm not going to make her a promise I can't keep. Listen, I'm not making the promise. Jesus is making the promise. My job is not to figure out whether or not Jessica's going to actually live by it or not. My job is to preach it and raise faith in every believer that will hear it so they can start walking in it and be shaken less and less and less and become a stable pillar in the kingdom of God, the ambassador that they're called to be. I don't care if you'll ever do anything with it or not. I mean, I kind of care, but I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. My job is to preach it no matter where I think you're at. My job is to preach faith. I've heard people say, don't get your hopes up. My Lord, get your hopes up. That's what it's all about. Get your hopes up in God. Get hope into the people because when we get God kind of hope, God's hope will not disappoint. So he says, do you realize what you have? And he says this, and when you realize it, let us show gratitude Listen, how do we show gratitude? By which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. What this means is this. George, do you realize what you have your hands on? And when you start to realize what Christ has done for you, it ought to change something in you. It ought to turn something in you. And you ought, gratitude ought to come out of you in such a reverence and in all. This verse sounds very much like Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
This is where we've got to live. We've got to live in the place where we are constantly giving ourselves. The gratitude that we show is, I'm putting myself on the line every day. The yoke that we take on with Jesus is, I'm not my own, but daily I crucify the flesh. The thing that we do to show God thankfulness and to walk with Him. The place where we can't be shaken. The place where it's at ease. The place where our prayers work is when we are completely given over to God. My decisions are not my own. My thoughts are not my own. I am yours. For our God is a consuming fire. See, what it's showing us here is this. If I'm God, if I'm the Lord, and I'm a consuming fire, what it's saying is, I've given you a kingdom that can't be shaken and things are about to start to work for you. But in order for it to work for you, you've got to start moving in a gratitude that says, Lord, I'm yours and I'm going to give up everything that's of me and not of you. And I'm going to come into your presence. And when I come into your presence, the consuming fire of God is going to start to eat up everything that's not of me. Well, guess what? You're going to lose your little pet flesh thing. Right? You're going to lose that when you come into the presence of God. But let me tell you something. God never takes anything away or asks you for something that he doesn't replace with something greater. It's always better. It's always bigger. It's always without uh, the, the next day problems, the hangovers. It's always uh, without having the temptations of the flesh. It's always without the, the con Conviction of, oh man, I missed it. It's always without the wages of sin. That's death. It always comes because God will ask you for something. You give it to him and all of a sudden it'll be awesome. You start walking in what he's called you to be. You start becoming. And now you start fulfilling that promise that Jesus said, they'll do these works in greater. I'm the firstborn of many brethren. And you'll start to become like him because you start to look and act like him because you've taken his yoke on you. And this is what this is saying. He's saying, look, my fire will purify you. It has no other choice but to purify your life. But here's what you do. You got to say, I'm so thankful for what you've given me. I'm so thankful for the gift of an unshakable kingdom to be a part of your family, to give your son. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm going to give me. And so all of a sudden, we hit that kind of heart, we hit that kind of uh, place in our life, and the consuming fire comes, and everything that's not of God, it just starts to burn off of our life, and the bondages break. Remember, remember with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a let me go? Y'all remember that part. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and a let me go? Um, they go into the fire, but they were not in the fire alone. And the only thing, they didn't even come out with the smell of smoke on them. The only thing that got burned up were the people that held them in bondage and the bondages themselves. They came out of that free and full and unshaken. This is the call to every believer. You can be unshaken as you hand yourself 
to the things of God. But you can't wait around and, and be like, well, I'll do that someday. No, this is a call. When you hear this message preached, it's a call to move and move now. Because you don't know that you'll hear the same message again or the same way. And you don't know what God has for you this afternoon. He may have something for you where that humility and giving yourself, he may consume pieces that were not of him. And all of a sudden you walk out here and there's the person that will never meet God if you don't lead them to the Lord. But you won't do it because you're not on fire because you didn't, you weren't thankful. He's a purifying fire. He purifies the things that are in our lives and we need that purifying fire. We have to understand that yes, that consuming and purifying fire will eat up things that our flesh wants, but it'll also empower me to do things I can only ask or think. I can't even imagine what they are. It'll lead me to the place where I can move and act like the Lord in the things. I can be his ambassador on the level that he's called me to be an ambassador on. It will take me to the a place where my mind can't even imagine that power and that strength. But it's emotion that's conditional on how we treat what we've been given. Are you willing, thank you sir, are you willing to step into the consuming fire of God? Are you willing to put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be like you. Over in Ephesians 4, it says this, that he gave gifts unto men when he, when he ascended on high. He gave gifts unto men. And the purpose of those gifts was to raise up the body of Christ to the fullness of the stature of Christ. It wasn't to make them become better versions of themselves. It was to make them to become and grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Not a better George, a better George that looks like Jesus and Jesus alone. Not a better George with all of his habits that he's had past. No, a better George that's dropped the old man and starts to become more and more like Jesus. And it's only the fire that does that. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, it says this. It says that, that John the Baptist was prophesying. He says that Jesus is about to get baptized. And he says... There's one coming. I'm not even, I'm not even uh, able or willing to unbuckle his shoes. I'm not on that level, right? And then he says this. He says, but he will not just baptize you with water, basically. He says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That word baptized means to overwhelm. There's not one piece of you that's not touched by the fire. Not one piece of you that's not touched by the fire. Let's turn quickly to, uh, let's see, Isaiah 6 and verse 1. Who glory to God. Isaiah 6. If you want to get some uh, music going, get up on the stage and get some music going. And if you want to just prepare your heart now, just prepare your heart now. Lord, I'm, I'm ready to give you me today. I'm ready to give you me today. I'm ready to give you me. Lord, I'm ready to step into your fire. I'm ready to be used by you. I'm ready to be who you've called me to be. I'm tired of playing games. I don't want to play games anymore. I want to be used by you. I want to be used by, by you in the way that you have it in your mind. 
Now you may be sitting here thinking, you know what? I don't know. I've been, I've been messed up. Like, Pastor, do you know how messed up I've been? Do you realize everything that I've done? Do you know everything I've done? I don't. But I got, here you go. <laughs> but I got a pretty good idea because I was pretty messed up myself. Pretty messed up. And you don't have to pastor long before you figure out people are pretty messed up too. It's not just you. It don't take long. They say that if you have a group of 100 people, you have every sin that can be found in that group. Isn't that something? I believe that that's true. I wouldn't have believed it before I started pastoring, but after 10 years, I believe it's true. That's, a, that's the average. Listen, and when you mess up, guess what you don't feel like? Coming into the fire of God. Because the truth is, we haven't known Him as a humble and a gentle Lord. We've had it preached to us that His fire is just to destroy. The only thing He's interested in destroying is the works of the devil. I mean, if you take up sides with the devil and you want to become an enemy of God and get on that side of God, have at it. But if you're not on that side of God, he's gentle and he's humble and he wants to help you. You will find help in time of need if you come to him humbly. But you may be saying, look, I don't even feel worthy to be used by God. Listen, do you know all these great people that we read about in the Bible? Which one of them was worthy on God's level? None of them. The only one was Jesus and he was the son of God. He was the only one that was worthy on that level. But even he had to take the same, he was tempted in every way just like you. And he did it right. He just didn't miss it. Well, isn't he the one that I want to go to to learn how to do that? And he says, I'll help you. I love this story. I don't think sometimes we understand and know just how holy God is. I don't think we recognize just how holy he is. Understand this, that if we brought our sin into God's holiness, we'd just die. This is why they tied a rope around the priest's ankle and they had bells on the fringe of his robe because they knew that as long as they hear the bells, tink, 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 he's still kicking, tink, 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 but the moment they don't hear bells anymore, uh-oh. He must have some sin that we didn't know about. And they start pulling the rope. Why? Well, because God wanted the guy dead? No, not because God wanted the guy dead, but because the guy tried to pridefully bring sin into the presence of God. And it does not mix. It's like oil and water. It don't work. God is so holy, so pure, so perfect. You know, we have this idea that we can measure how holy he is, but we're measuring it from a place of a corrupted thinking. It's hard to even measure just how holy he is. So we've got to understand that in order, God wants us to come into his presence. Uh, just in that, in that song, y'all go ahead and get up there and play it lightly. Yeah, and uh, 
just in the song that we were talking about earlier, where the Lord said, uh, or Moses said, show me your glory, Lord. And we were singing about that. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Do you know why they were singing that? Why that verse is in that song? Because in Exodus chapter 20, the, the power of God, the holiness of God comes down on that mountain and there's fire and smoke and rumblings. And the people, the people were sitting there putting it in reverse. Beep, beep, beep. They're backing up from the mountain. Beep. Uh-uh, I ain't going over there. God's up there. <laughs> because they know. This is a serious dude. But we look at it as like prim and proper. We were talking about this in prayer. We look at it as like prim and proper. But it's not just prim and proper. It's just, it's holy. He is something else. Do we really know how big he is? How great and how mighty he is? You know, the same God that's so holy, he also sits on his throne and laughs. Can you imagine God belly laughing on the throne? Like I've had a hard time imagining that because we in religion have this idea that God is just so prim and he wouldn't do that. It says he did does that. He sits in the heavens and laughs. Ha, 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 What an idiot the devil is, thinking he was going to win over me. Ha, 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 ha. It says it. Like, I ain't never heard that preached before. I'm sorry. It's preached here before, but you can hear it later. God, listen, he's laughing. He's holy, but he's not stuck up. He's holy. But he wants his people to be with them. Moses says in Exodus 20, 20, I'll paraphrase it. The people are backing up. No, we don't want to go. Whoa, we do not want to go. We don't want to go over to that mountain where God is. Moses says this. Hey, no, don't fear God. He says, don't fear in a phobia like I'm scared of him, but let his holiness draw you to a place of reverence where you reverence him on the level that you should. In other words, no, he wants you near him, but he is God. Don't play games. I, don't play games means you can still laugh and have fun in his presence. But you don't disrespect him and you don't dishonor. You reverence him. You reverence his holiness because he is still God. He's still God and he's still holy. But see, what he's done is he's provided us a way through Jesus Christ to touch him. And through the grace that God gave us, we can step in and we can work on ourselves. Through the grace that he gave us, we can step in. Oh man, glory to God. Through the grace, the grace is not there to, to let you keep doing what you want to do in your flesh and sin. Grace is there so that you may be empowered to step into the fire. Grace is there to empower you to drop 
and deny all ungodliness like it says in Titus. To deny all ungodliness so that as I deny the ungodliness, I can step into the fire of God and the Lord can purge me and cleanse me and make me like Him. He can make me in His likeness and image again and I can function like that. But it's got to have a heart of a people that doesn't put it in reverse because they're scared of God. No, they put it in forward because of Jesus. I can come boldly before the throne of grace. It's his fire. And we need his fire because all of a sudden, all those things have been going wrong where the shaking has occurred, all those things in your life where it's not been easy but heavy and heavy laden and a hard burden, all those things, the fire burns them off. And not only that, but you start to carry the fire and the fire on you starts to burn it off in the lives of other people. And this is your design that you not only come free, but you help to bring freedom to other people. That's the design of God for your life. Not just the pastor, every believer. I love this passage. Do we know how holy God is? Have we ever felt like Isaiah here? In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Whoo! Can you see the glory of God filling the temple? Just imagine it. Close your eyes. Whoo, glory. Lord, open our eyes to see you as you are. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and two, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What would make, let me ask this question, what would make angels who've been around him for quite some time constantly say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord? Tiffany, come up here. The fire of God's on you. Raise your hand. Fire of God, fire of God, fire of God. In the name of Jesus, glory to God. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Fire of God. Put your hand on your belly. Fire stoked fresh in Jesus' name. Lord, light it up. Let her be everything you've called her to be. Let her be everything you've called her to be. Levi, come on up. Fire of God, fire of God to purge everything. Just raise your hands when you do. The fire of God comes all over you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You need to make this your confession. We will serve in our house the Lord who answers by fire. In the name of Jesus. 
Baromo, Bomo, Maloko, Meda, Baromo. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Yeah, burn them up, Lord. Woo! Kaniya, so. Rakane, Mede, Mepede. Mani, Lord, no, Baromo. Our house, the Lord that answers by fire. Baroma, Baroma, Sekede. Baroma, Baroma, Yetidis. Bedekarmos, Boromos, Glory. What would make angels who've been around the Lord constantly shout, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. More fire, Lord. More fire. More fire. Every bit, every bit. Bapalenka, Patmos, Bakaroponomo, Bodomosme. Who can eat? More fire, more fire, more fire, more fire. Ole Nicarabose. Yeah, 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 young. More fire, more fire. Medical revenues to Mombalagiachi. Bebrum Frama, also Vicoromasi, Hats of Rome, Ion Cobo, Boglacarimias de Fraya, Estevrino, Osteflom, Bani of Coloeste, Roja Carimisti, Bantam Botomi, Suhu, Sene, Danamosa, Batabanicromata, Monomo. What the devil meant for bad, the Lord is turning for good once and for all. It's not just a cliche saying. It's not just something that doesn't mean anything to you today. Today is a new day. Today is a new day. Today is a new day in the fire of God. The whole earth is full of His glory and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then Isaiah said, Then I said, Woe is me, for I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. In the King James it says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in a people of unclean lips. You understand, he did not feel worthy. He didn't feel like he was worth anything. He sees the glory of the, of the Lord and he says, oh my goodness, I've found myself in a place. I will not make it out of this room. I'm done. I'm ruined. The fire of God is going to burn me up. But that is not what the fire of God was there to do for him that day. And it's not what the fire of God is here to do for you today. The fire of God is here to do the same for you that it did for Isaiah. And so then a seraphim, one of the angels of fire, flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it. And the Lord said, and, and then he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. One touch of the fire of God, and your life gets wiped clean. And you, now watch what it did to Isaiah. Just a few seconds ago, he was saying, Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm filthy. I'm ruined. I'm dead. I'm a dead man. One touch from the fire of God. And he says this, 
The Lord, the voice, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. One touch of the fire of God. Today's the day for a touch of the fire. I need a touch of the fire in my life. I need to be in the place where things work. I need the fire of God. Here I am, send me. I might have felt like I was unclean, but I see the humility and the gentleness of the heart of God. I need the fire on my life. I need the presence of God in my family. I need to be the one he's called me to be. I need to win souls. I need to make disciples. I need to pray and see things happen. If that's you, I ask you, come up now and let's receive this fire together. Let's receive it at the call of God. I need a change in my life today. I need the fire and the presence of God today. If that's you, come on up. Thank you, Father. And we move from the place of woe, I'm undone. I'm in a land of uncleanliness. I'm ruined. We move from that place to the place where the fire touches us and all of a sudden we become who God's called us to be. Oh, rebe de me.